Good evening to everyone. It's been another pleasant day. I can enjoy this weather this evening and half a day tomorrow. Then I'll be back in a sauna tomorrow when I get back to New Orleans. But I have really enjoyed it this week. It's been such a pleasant opportunity to be here, to know each of you. You've been so kind to me. So many people have done so many things and I truly do appreciate everything that has been done and I will always remember that and anytime you're down our way we would be glad to have you at the Chalmette congregation you will always be welcome this evening we want to look at the thought of what difference does it make that's pretty prominent in the religious realm isn't it what difference does it make as long as you're religious that's that's all that matters simply say that i love god and that's that that's okay but is it really what the bible teaches see when you start any bible study you have to lay some groundwork what's going to be our guide how are we going to determine the answers to the questions that come up well is it going to be by what you think, what I think, how we're going to do that is going to be by popular vote. Well, that is the way in quite a few uh, areas with various uh, people and religious groups. But we want to base anything that we say in religion upon the word of God. That is the only thing that can save our soul. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me. Well, with a lot of people today, do you think about this? With now I'm talking about religious people. With a lot of religious people today, Jesus would still be so narrow-minded to them. Now we know back in the day that he was living, they put him on a cross. But we look back and people think, well, Jesus was so loving. And yes, that's that part's true. There's no doubt about it. And I love Jesus. But if he were here today and he was teaching his word as we see it in the Bible and as he was here upon this earth, they would think that Jesus was too narrow-minded. What do you mean you're the only way and that we must worship you this way? What difference does it make? Now, can we identify the Lord's church? And we're going to look at various things here as we go through this sermon, not just one particular topic, but can we identify the church that you read about it in the body? Well, think for a moment. If somebody stole your car while you were in the supermarket, well, you call the police and the police come. What are you going to say? Well, I don't know what the car looks like. No, you're going to tell them what kind of car it was, the brand, the, the year that it was made in, the color. You will give them the VIN number. All that will uh, help them to find out who took your car. And so there are identifying marks to something as simple as a car. Now, I know that you've been guilty of this too, 
and actually I'm hoping that you've been guilty of this one before, but have you ever gone into the grocery store and you come out and you can't remember where you parked? And you're taking that key and making it beep the horn so you can find your car. Now, when you mash that button so that it will make that horn go off, how many different cars make the horn go off when you mash the key that you have? Only one. Why? Because that car is narrow-minded and the rest of them just don't think like that one does. No, we wouldn't think anything like that. Well, why would we think that with the Lord? The Lord's not narrow-minded. And also, brethren, understand this. The Lord's church is not narrow-minded other than the fact that we want to go by the will of God and we will not go to the right hand or to the left. We must stay centered upon what the Lord has told us and not stray away, not add to, not take away, not alter in any way. Because if we do, it won't be the same church that you read about in the Bible. Just like if somebody had stolen your car and the, the police see a car, it, well, it's the same year as your car is. It's the, it's the same model as your car, but it's a different color. What does that mean? It's not your car. Well, does it, that mean the same today when we examine other things? Doesn't it mean that today when we examine the Lord's church to see if we can identify the body of Christ that Jesus died for? There are identifying marks that we can see and that we can know what is right and what is wrong. And we see in the book of 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 11 and 12, and Paul makes this statement. He says, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. That's going to sound quite a bit like today, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned, what? Who believe not the truth, but watch this, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They believe not the truth. Well, it can't be the Lord's church if it has a headquarters that's, that's uh, centered in Rome, somewhere in, 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 in Italy. Well, that's not where the head is, is it? Because if it's founded upon Peter, it's not the Lord's church. That would be Peter's church, wouldn't it? But the Lord's church is different. We want to see what did the Lord say? Now, Peter was a good man, but that's all that he was, is a man. And we're thankful for the work that he did, but he didn't have the ability to save anyone. But yet we see the Catholicism on one hand, we see all the different denominations, and we see the confusion in the religious world and sometimes you, you think with some people that are actually looking for truth, how hard some other people make it on them to find truth. Truth can be understood. And when they find the word of God, they find out that it is different than what they've been hearing from the mind of men. I've studied down in the area that I, I'm in, we've had several people throughout the years from the Catholic Church that have 
been converted to Christianity. Without exception, every single one of them have made this statement in some form or another. I don't know much about the Bible. Well, the Bible's our guide. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Then how do we know how to live our lives? How do you know how to become a Christian? It has to be by the word of God. So we can understand, we can comprehend the word of God. Now, some religions vote on people, whether they can be a part of a religious organization or not. On one occasion, there was this man that uh, the group, you had to have a religious experience, quote, in order to be a part of that religious institution. So he made up one. They voted him in. Later on, his mind got to bothering him, so he told them the truth. They voted him out. He told a lie, they voted him in. He told the truth and they voted him out. Well, something's wrong with that picture, isn't it? It's never left up to man. Aren't we glad that it's not left up to man? Think of how fickle man is. Man changes so, so often. Uh, sometimes it may be day to day. What we think one day may not be the same tomorrow, but God is the same today and forever. He never changes. The word of God never changes. Therefore, I can trust the word of God. I can have confidence that what I am doing is right. It's not that we, that we just hope that we're going to heaven. I, I, I want to go to heaven. Brethren, one thing I want to leave with you as we close out this gospel meeting, you can know that you're going to heaven. If you follow the will of God, you can know without the shadow of a, a shadow of a doubt that you are going to heaven because you are doing what God has said the way that God has said to do it. And that does matter. Some will, will ridicule that. Some will think that, well, that's, that's old fashioned. Well, Jesus might be considered old fashioned as well, but I, I think I will stick with Jesus. We also notice what Jesus himself said in John 8 verses 31 and 32. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, well, now Jesus is being, is it narrow-minded? No, he's actually telling them what will save their soul. What, what will save them that they can be a part of him? Of course, the church is just about to be established soon, soon hereafter. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and what? And the truth shall make you free. Now, if truth makes us free, what does that mean with error? Does error make you free? Well, feelings, just, just emotions. Well, does that make us free? Because I, I feel that I'm saved and I, I feel good about something? Probably most of us may not want to admit it either, but you may have been traveling, especially before GPS came along. You'd be out traveling 
and I thought I was going the right way only to find out that was not the right way at all and I had to turn around and come back. Well, what difference did it make? Can't you just go one way as well as the other and still end up at the same place? Of course not. And we understand that. So it is with the church that our Lord built. There is a tremendous difference in what the Lord established and what man established. The Lord's church was established in the city of Jerusalem. And we looked at those prophecies earlier in the week, Daniel 2, Isaiah 2, Joel 2, and then we come up uh, to Acts 2 and spend a great deal of time there. And of course, other prophecies, but we see that church was established in the city of Jerusalem. That's where Jesus told the disciples to go and wait till they be endued with power from on high. And in AD 33, the church began on the day of Pentecost there in the city of Jerusalem. Now, stop and think. Uh, now, this is this is being kind. Stop in reason. We never have to be ugly to anybody. We never want to be ugly with any, anybody. That that doesn't accomplish anything anyway. But stop and think. If that's when the church was established, what about one that was established at a different time? It can't be that one. Then what about one that was established later on? And later on, and later on, well, you, you get the idea. They can't be the one that was established here. Now, you can plant the same seed that was planted on that day, and those 3,000 obeyed the gospel and became Christians, but you can't plant something that is different. I used to grow a garden, used to grow nursery stock. One thing's for certain, and I know a lot of you have planted various things, whether it be flowers or gar gardens or whatever it may be. But here's one thing that we know. What you plant is what you get, isn't it? If you plant green beans, don't expect tomatoes to come up off of those. It won't happen. So the seed is the word of God, as Jesus said, and we're, we're sanctified, we're set apart by the word of God. So what we believe, it does matter. It does make a difference. And people should understand that. Now, uh, people understand that actually every day of their lives, as we mentioned earlier in the week, you know, if you go just to any house and say, well, it doesn't make any difference what house I go in, one is as good as another, you could get shot in some circumstances, at the very least get into trouble because it makes a difference and we understand that. So that, that is a given. But what difference does it make about what church we're a part of? Aren't they all the same anyway? Don't they all practice some good things and do certain things? Well, it's not about what man has set up and determined. See, we, we don't set the parameters. Our Lord does that. He is the one that decides what is allowed and what's not allowed, how we are to live. Don't you think that that would be right since he has been given all authority in heaven and in earth? that he would be the very one 
to set the parameters as to what we are to do. Notice in John 17, verses 20 and 21, and this is the actual the prayer of Jesus. Sometimes people read the model prayer when they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, but this is part of the prayer of Jesus in John 17. His, he says, neither pray after these alone. It, it's not just those right now. It, it's going to go further than that. Not just for these alone, but for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. See, they're going to go out and teach others. But now, now continue here. That they all may be one. Well, you can't have division and be one. Those, those are contradictory statements, aren't they? Those, those words don't, are not compatible. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now, sometimes we, uh, we, we wonder. I've had conversation with people here. We have conversations with people back home. Virtually where you go, you'll have somewhat of these conversations. Well, we don't have the people that we used to have. Sounds pretty familiar in a lot of places, doesn't it? Well, one thing that is a hindrance, not the only thing, but you know, you could name other things, obviously. But one thing that is a hindrance, you take what Jesus said here. When people see all this religious confusion that is out here, and that's, that's a big tool of Satan. And Satan, Satan knows that. He knows that if I can cause confusion and the, they, they don't know exactly what to believe, they may just give up and quit and not become a part of the body of Christ. He, he knows that. And he's won a lot of victories that way, that people that won't become Christians because of that. And maybe people that would come out of denominations if they were taught the truth, but there's so many out there. And, you know, you get people saying that it's okay. It doesn't make any difference. But you've got to think, what did Jesus pray right here? That they all may be one. Now, we can understand that. That doesn't leave room for any other. And yes, that in one sense makes it narrow. But in another sense, you also think it was narrow. How many lords died on the cross for us? That was also one too, wasn't it? So we had one Lord that died on the cross, one Lord that was resurrected, one Lord that built his church and he wants his people to be united on the same teachings. And that's what he wants us to teach the world. And that's what will save man's soul. And yes, it is a challenge. One thing we run into a challenge where I live, and you have various challenges. Some are the identical in places, but one we run into in our area, did not, uh, where it's, uh, so much of one religion that dominates uh, to such a great extent, and they make money off of selling alcohol. They make money off of gambling. And when people are following that, and here comes members of the body of Christ and say, well, you need to change your life. They don't want to change their life. 
They like the way they're living because they're being, they're told that as long as you get those ashes on that Wednesday, it's all okay. We helped you to party two days ago, but now as long as you do that, it, it's okay. The day before you were out there living, but it, as long as you get those ashes, those ashes are not going to wash away sins. It's the blood of the lamb that will wash away sins. Not what some man rubs on your forehead. That won't do anything. But it does make it extremely hard to teach the word of God in areas like that because they, they've been taught that. You've got, and you've got to understand that too. They've been around this all their life and they've seen this and it becomes a way of life for them. Well, I'm living a worldly life and they're still telling me I'm going to heaven. Hey, you're getting the best of both worlds, aren't you? Well, they don't want to change their lives sometimes like that. See, another ploy of Satan. What difference does it make? What church we're a part of? But notice something in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 10 through 13. The Apostle Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's the authority that he's speaking by, not by man, not by his own authority, but by the authority of Jesus, that you all speak the same thing. We don't need to speak different things because there's only one gospel. Well, that's what Paul's doing with them right here. And that there be no divisions among you. See, Paul is condemning divisions right here. And he's trying to stop that. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you that saith, I am of Paul, oh, this, this sounds familiar, and you can broaden this out with what we see today. I am of Paul, I of Apollos, I of Cephas, I follow Peter, and I of Christ, is, is Christ divided? Paul comes back, is, is Christ divided? Is that what you have learned, that Christ is divided? And then he says, was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? No, no, no you weren't baptized in my name. That, that's I, because he couldn't save them. Paul knew that. And right now with the church at Corinth, he's trying to stop that division that is among the brethren at Corinth. Some there at Corinth, well, you know, oh, Peter, I, I think a lot of him, he seems to be a little higher up. Well, yeah, I follow him. Well, I follow Apollos. Have you ever heard him speak? Now, he, he is some eloquent when he speaks. But now I follow Paul. Well, see, they were following different people. But that's exactly what we see today. So it didn't start in our lifetime, did it? It started in the very first century. See, Satan's been doing this for a long time. He's an expert at it, isn't he? He knows what he's doing. He knows how to do it. But he was causing division there with the people because they wanted to be divided. And Paul's trying to stop that. And that's what the very thing that we're trying to do today by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, it, it does matter. But now 
just a thought as we're going through this, that's one reason for all Christians, wherever we are, it doesn't matter what state, what country, that's the reason that it is so important that all Christians make it an urgency to teach the word of God. We're the only ones that will do it, aren't we? Nobody else is going to do it, but the children of God. What did Jesus say going to all the world? That's to the disciples, to us. That applies to us. So the denomination's not going to do it. They're going to go out there and make it harder. They're going to go out there and mislead people. So we must go out there and teach the truth. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Like we just read there just a moment ago. Then also we notice in Matthew 16, verse 18, and this is after Peter had made the confession that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, thou art Peter and upon this rock, not Peter, this, and you have to remember that and you have to, when you're studying with somebody, what was the subject that was being studied two verses earlier? It was who do men say that I am? It, the subject never changed in that context. It's, it's still the same. Thou art Peter upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell or Hades shall not prevail against it. it. It's not going to stop it. And then we also read in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him Christ to be head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. He is the one. He is the one that we are to follow. He is the one that can save this world. He is the one that can save our families. He's the only one. Then we notice in Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6, we, we see here, and notice this, some people don't, don't even like reading the Bible. And if you, when, when you see this, you'll, you'll understand why. Paul says, there is one body. Then when you go back to uh, Ephesians chapter one, the last two verses, it says the, the body is the church. Then you come back over here and say, well, now what did Paul say? Not me, now what, what does the Bible say here? There, there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One body, no divisions. What difference does it make? What religion I'm a part of? All the difference. Because we must be a part of the one body. And one thing that is wonderful, there's, there's people that have gone on before me in my life, my grandparents that were members of, of the body, my mother and uh, friends and other ones, and people I have met throughout uh, different states and different countries. And you think of that great day of reunion there's going to be when we all are going to be together forever and there'll never be any, any more parting. It will never take place again. In the book, book of Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, take heed therefore, watch, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, with he, which he has purchased 
with his own blood. There's how valuable it is. It cost the blood of our Lord. That makes it worth more than anything else, doesn't it? What, what, what man comes up with is not valuable. Uh, it just is just not valuable. It's, it's not the same thing. Then in Acts 2.47, as we referred to uh, earlier, as having favor in, uh, with all the people, notice, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as were being saved. Now, remember the illustration I used earlier with a man that had the, uh, the, the experience and they voted him in, then they voted him out. Well, start with this passage right here. This does away with all that to begin with. The Lord added them to the church, those that were being saved. Well, if you read in the same chapter, Acts 2, who were being saved. Well, what did Peter tell them to do? Repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Uh, you come on down. And the Lord added them to the church. No voting. And you notice something else. Notice something else right here on day one and throughout the Bible. He never asked them for money. You, you never see them say, well, you've got to give your seed money. You've got to make this offering. Never one time. Did that take place? The Lord added to the church, and also something that's good to uh, think along with that, some people sold land in, land in possessions. That means they had a little bit more than others, but why did they do that? Because some didn't have as much. So they had all things common. They were helping each other. So they, they weren't asking for money in order for to be a part of uh, of the Lord's church, nor will they ever do that. If, I don't know how many of you watch In Search of the Lord's Way, but uh, of course, uh, Mac Lyon had, was the um, uh, person on there for many years, now Phil Sanders. But one thing they never do is ask for a single penny. That has to stand out in a bunch of religious groups where people are always asking for money. Now, there's a program that comes on right after that in our area, and the first thing that he does is ask for money. Quite a difference in what he's doing there. Now, number three, does it make any difference if we're baptized or not? Now, some would say, well, it's a good thing, but you don't have to be. Well, let's let the, the Bible speak. Let's go back and see what the Bible says. Well, let's go back to the Old Testament first. Let's go back and see where some were told to do something and they didn't want to do it. They didn't think that it mattered. It wasn't the way that they thought. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. We're only going to read one verse right here. We'll drop down and read some more verses. And Elisha sent on a messenger unto him, Naaman, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Naaman had come with his leprosy. Elisha didn't come out and perform some big, some big to do. Well, I thought he would come out and do something. He's going to come out and do all this. But he didn't. Naaman's not very happy about this. 
that even something that would cleanse him of his leprosy, he was not happy. Now, drop down to verse, thir- uh, verse 12. And this is what Naaman says. Are not Abner and Farpar rivers of Damascus better than all the rivers of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went in a rage. He was mad. I could have dipped it into them. Now you in Jordan, I'm not going in Jordan. Start where they didn't come out to meet me. Doesn't he know who I am? It might have been the other way. Don't you know who he is and who he serves? That might be a better way to look at it. But he didn't he didn't think so. But let's keep noticing here in verse verse 13. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if and notice this, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then when he has saith unto thee, wash and be clean? If he'd done some great thing, you would have done it. This, this seems too simple, doesn't it? Then verse 14, then when he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, what happened? He did it like God said to do it. One thing I heard a man tell me on one occasion, and I hated to hear it because, especially, I hate to hear it from anybody, but it was related to me. But he said, water baptism never saved anybody. Well, it's, it's not up to us to decide that. Naomi thought that wouldn't help him. But baptism, that, that's something that the Church of Christ has come up with, right? Colossians 2.12 is one verse that will help answer that. There's many of them. We'll look at some of them. But notice in Colossians 2.12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Baptism is the operation of God, not man. God is the one that has instituted it. He's the one that set it up, that that's the way that we contact that saving blood. So no man has the right to change it. It's the operation of God. Remember that verse. When somebody you're in a discussion with thinks it's something that simply that we've come up with, no, and show them as kindly as you can, it's the operation of God. God has set it forth. And the last verse I want to look at under this particular one is 1 Peter 3.21. The light figure whereunto, even baptism, doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, it's not a bath, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, notice there, even baptism doth now also save us. Maybe if we stay longer tonight, we can understand. Baptism does now also save us. I think you're probably going to say, Mark, we, we got it. Be, would you realize, there's one, on one occasion, this lady's dead. I knew I was a 
child, nor when she was older, but uh, I, after I got older, I stopped and talked to her. I let her read this passage. You know, she read the part, baptism does now also save us. She read the verse and she said, Mark, but don't you think, not up to me, not up to me. What, what did he say? Now, one verse I want to go back to, what, what did Jesus say? And this is about as simple as it can get, Mark 16, 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Well, it's a good thing, but you don't have to be. Here's a question I like to ask. All right, if that didn't mean that you had to be baptized to be saved, what would Jesus have had to say that he didn't say? Can you think of anything else that he could have said that maybe that it would have really meant that you had to be baptized? It's been covered, hasn't it, brethren? Baptism is part of our salvation. And now also, what method of baptism? I don't know how much you deal with that here, but I've been on different occasions. Some people sometimes come by the building. Sometimes they'll call. Will you christen my baby? Sometimes they maybe use the word baptized. Usually it's the word christen. And, you know, first thing I'd like to sit down and, you know, talk with you some. But what I find out every single time, not a single one of them wants to sit down and do that. I want you to do this for my baby and that, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to go back to do, do my thing. See, they've been taught, taught a human tradition, haven't they? And so they're following that human tradition and they, they don't want to give it up because that's, that's all they know. But now let's notice something in the book of Acts chapter 10 verses 46 and four, through 48. For they, did, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? that these should not be baptized, which shall receive the Holy Ghost as well as we. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, they were told on the household of Cornelius that they were going to be baptized in the name of Jesus, just like they were back in the days on Pentecost that we read in Acts 2. It's going to be the same thing Notice in John 3, 23 and 24. And John also was baptized in Anon near Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptized. Why do you need much water to sprinkle or to christen? You don't. You, you don't need much water to do that. Acts 8, verse 38. And he commanded the chair to stand still and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. If it was simply sprinkle water upon him, he could have done that in the chariot and keep on, kept on right on going. They didn't do that, though. Stop the chariot. There's water. Let's get out. Let's go down into the water. That's what they did. And then in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? If you haven't been baptized, you're not, you're not, you haven't been baptized into his death then. Now, why is that important? Because he shed his blood there. 
Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You haven't been baptized. You're not, not walking in uh, the new uh, newness of life, the new birth. It's not taking place with you. And then lastly, does it make any difference how we worship? Did, did God just leave us here to worship as we choose to worship? And well, some, some people seem to think so. Let's go back to the Old Testament first, Leviticus 10 verses 1 and 2. There's some uh, people, that, religious people, by the way, that thought it didn't matter. Now, Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, Aaron's a pretty prominent person, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, notice, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. They offered strange fire which the Lord commanded not. But now it did, he didn't say not to. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He told them how to do it. They had already been instructed how to do it. They decided they could alter it. Do we not see people doing the same thing today with, with uh, singing, with instrumental music? And what do you typically hear? It sounds good to me. I like it. Well, I don't, God didn't ask me. God didn't ask me what I thought. And actually, if you stop and think about it, I don't think that it improves the worship to begin with. And I know it doesn't because God didn't authorize it to be there. But in John 4, verse 24, it says, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You can't leave either one of them off. You have to have the truth as well. See, truth matters. You start reading the Bible, well, go back and ask Nadab and Abihu, does it matter? Does it matter how you worship? Well, of course, we can't ask them now, but if they could answer, they would say it definitely does. And then notice in Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9, let's notice some religious people. Again, in the days of Jesus, these people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips. But their heart is far from me, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. That hasn't changed. It was in the days of Jesus. We read about it in the Old Testament, people trying to worship their way. It's in the days of Jesus. It's still today. But the word of God still stands the test of time, doesn't it? It, and it, it, it will always be there. It won't have to be changed at any point, at any time. It always does what it's supposed to do. This evening, if there's anybody that we can help that needs to be baptized, we would certainly love to do that. Anybody that needs the prayers of the church, we would love to pray with you and for you. Will you come as we stand, as we sing?